0: Well, it is a privilege to be here and, and a joy and a privilege to be here uh an honor to fill the pulpit today i uh, really appreciate the opportunity first time i've ever been in beautiful downtown el paso uh, i've come to to say that about bullhead city beautiful downtown bullhead city hoping to change the outlook of bullhead city when we move to bullhead city people would say where, then they would use sort of a, a, a very hot place, where is Bullhead City? And uh, we came up, and it was a bumper sticker, where the hell is Bum- Bullhead City? And we came up with a bumper sticker that said, God knows where Bullhead City is. And, uh, and through the years we have met Charlie and Ceci and been involved with Pastors Conferences and got to know them there, and I've really enjoyed the time here to really get to know Charlie a whole lot better. Uh, was with Linda at the Women's Conference, and we didn't get a whole lot of time, but it's been a joy the time that we've had. You've got a beautiful facility, you've got great pastor and his wife, uh, you guys are really blessed. So. I asked Charlie, I called Charlie, I said, um, Charlie, what, what do you want me to speak on? Is there anything specific? And he said, whatever God puts on your heart. And so would you, before I start, would you, would you bow your hearts with me and pray? Father, we want to ask that your Holy Spirit would be poured out, Lord, on me as a speaker and, and your congregation, your people, as they would hear and your, your Spirit would touch each heart as needed, that we would be changed and challenged, encouraged. Lord, that you would give us everything that we need to be obedient to your word. We love you and we thank you. In the wonderful wonderful name of Jesus, amen. And a lot of different things that are going on. We have the National Day of Prayer coming up, and I was talking with someone about prayer Someone that had had stopped by. It was concerning the National Day of Prayer, and but there's also been a number of things that have been going on uh, in recent times that will put on my heart to to share with you a message about forgiveness. And it started with the idea of prayer. It started with with what Jesus says, and if you'll turn in your books in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 5 because I want to just lead into the text, and then we're going to go to a few other places uh, in the Bible as we go along. And when you pray, you shall not... Be like the hypocrite, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask of him. So in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We kind of know it as the Lord's Prayer. It's often, so. well, let's do the Lord's Prayer. Will you pray the Lord's Prayer? Well, it's a model prayer. Jesus, when you pray, pray like this. And there's another place where Peter says, uh, they come to him, and it wasn't necessarily Peter, but the disciples came and said, will you teach us to pray? He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. And it's the same prayer. I don't know if it was a different time or if these times connected together, if it was the different ways that the apostles that wrote the uh, the Gospels shared their viewpoint of when it was and how it was. You know, judging from the disciples who are a lot like us, Jesus, he said things a lot twice. Uh, if you didn't get it the first time, Wait, it'll come again. But we need to listen to the words of Jesus. But Jesus does something very interesting. He gives us model prayer, and out of the whole prayer, he could have emphasized so many different things. And if you've ever heard a sermon on the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, a lot is touched on. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be done. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come all those things we go through. But, you know, somehow it seems that we, we skip over the very thing that Jesus points out. So if you look at verse 14, he addresses only one aspect of the, of the prayer, forgiveness. How important forgiveness is. If you forgive men your trespasses, Your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We can agree to that. We understand that. We give assent to that in our head. We know we've got to forgive. But it's the forgiving that's the tough part. The very idea of forgiveness is just what it says. It's forgiving. God forgave an unforgiving heart. God can't forgive the unforgiving heart until the unforgiving heart forgives. His nature of love and His justice will not permit Him to overlook sin. And that's what we have to look at. We have to look at unforgiveness for what it is, sin. Oh, we've got a lot of reasons for unforgiveness. We can come up with a lot of reasons why it's so hard to forgive. Have you ever said it? Have you ever heard it? Well, you don't know what happened. You don't know what they did. Oh, we so well, Let's turn that around. You don't know what I did to Jesus. You don't know how I did. You don't know. You're right, we don't know. You do, you know better than anybody else. What you did, what you didn't do, how you failed, and yet Jesus forgave you. God forgave you for Jesus' sake. He can forgive only where mercy and tenderness of forgiveness is found. And for, that that is all a matter of choice. We have to choose to forgive. We have to choose to make a decision to forgive, to, to operate, in the, uh, operate in the act of love. Two principles that I saw in this, and the first is a promise, and the promise is God will forgive you. That's good news. We like that part. But there's also a warning. And the warning is, if you refuse to forgive others, you can't be forgiven. You know, sometimes we look at forgiveness a lot like some of the other sins. It was only a little lie. It was only a little lie. Well, was only a little unforgiveness. It's a resentment. It's a forgiveness. Unforgiveness comes in a lot of different ways. And sometimes we have to look at and see in our own life and say is there unforgiveness and then address it and surrender it. Forgive us our trespasses. I noticed something very interesting between verses 14 and 15 and the model prayer. He says forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, he uses the term debt. You might want to go back and circle those, the debt, because that's about forgiveness too. But I noticed something about the word trespassing, and then I thought, oh, okay, well, what does that mean? And I went back to the word to find out exactly what it meant, and the word trespass, para ptoma. I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right, because I don't speak Greek all that well. But that Greek word means to stumble, to fall, to slip, to blunder, to deviate from righteousness and truth. And it sounds like it applies to every one of us all. Notice I, I noticed three things. That Jesus takes it for granted, we need forgiveness. Because he says, your heavenly Father will forgive you. We need forgiveness. We know we need forgiveness. Why? Well, because we stumble, we fall, we blunder, we deviate from righteousness and truth. We, we all do it, and we all do it way too much. God promises he will forgive us our trespasses if we'll do one simple thing, forgive others. We need to to have short lists. Actually, we should have no lists at all. A short list is just, well, okay, I have a little, I only have a few on my unforgiveness list. Oh, be quick to forgive. Be quick to overlook. I was thinking of a young lady that came and, served us breakfast this morning, and it wasn't that I require the girls or the servers to be a certain way, but she just seemed to be a little bit off. Mm, Almost rude. She wasn't, but, you know, getting there. And what went through my mind was, huh, I wonder what her problem is. And then I... I followed that out. I wonder what her problem is. I wonder what happened this morning. I wonder what's wrong. You see, we don't do that, do we? Yeah, jerk, where'd you learn to drive? Right? Yeah. I've been on your streets enough to say, you've got really nice streets compared to Bullhead City. We only have one main street that goes through one end of Bullhead City to the other, it's called Highway 95. Speed limit is 45 miles an hour. Now we have some people that drive 50, 55, and, and beyond. Those are not the ones that bother me. The ones that bother me are the ones that are going 40, 35, 30. And they've had their blinker on since Hancock. Go back to Wisconsin. Please go back to Wisconsin. I pray for heat. They'll leave snowbirds. You know, But we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening with them. So instead of praying a prayer, we start getting upset, and, and we enter into unforgiveness. You know how I know it's unforgiveness? Because... I'm in town by now. I'm down in old Bullhead City. Since Hancock, I've been behind this person because I can't get around because someone from Wisconsin is in the other lane as well. And I'm fuming, and I can't. And I get around them, and you think I'm going to be okay? mm No, nope, by the time I get to the other end of, of town, I'm still going to... You see, in reality, that's, that's unforgiveness too. We're still upset because of someone who was driving slow. Second thing in all the world, the greatest thing is, uh, not the second thing, well, the second thing was the greatest thing in all the world is to be forgiven of our sins. Amen? Amen. A- amen? We know that. Well, uh, some of you really, you you sit there and you're amazed that God forgave you. You, however many years I was, I was amazed that God forgave me. I was amazed of how God forgave me. And then I was amazed that God was changing me and making me a new creature in Christ. It was just amazing. I was amazed and I was so grateful and so thankful to be accepted, to be restored by God's hand, to be assured of seeing Jesus Christ face to face. Forgiveness of sins means that we're freed. And forgiveness means that we free others from the debt that they owe us for whatever they did. But I want to tell you something else. When you forgive someone else for whatever it is that you have against them, you free yourself. You set yourself free. You are no longer burdened by the sin of unforgiveness. The third thing is that the only way, the only way we can be forgiven of our sins, plural, and that means them all, any sin, is to have forgiveness of others for their trespasses, for their blunders, for their places where they deviated from the norm. Or what we, sometimes it's what we consider the norm. Forgiving men their trespasses means several practical things. We're not judgmental. We're not supposed to be judgmental anyway, but how often when we are, have unforgiveness, we become very judgmental. Yeah. You know, how can they do that? They look like they've been driving forever. How come they can't drive anymore? We become judgmental. Here's one. How can he be a Christian and do that? How can he say he's a pastor? And do that. We become very judgmental of who they are, what they are, how they are. The very fact they're a Christian, and we we become very judgmental of them. How could they do that to us? I thought they were my friend, and we become judgmental of the friendship. The second thing we have to do is let go of bitterness. Bitterness. We become bitter when we have an unforgiving heart. When we are slow to forgive someone, when we put priorities, not priorities, uh, parameters for forgiveness. I shared last night, one of the parameters that I put on, on forgiveness, I, I studied forgiveness. Someone had, had done something to me at church, a good friend, a close friend. We had worked together for a long time. And he had done something that hurt me deeply. But it wasn't what he had done to me so much as what he had done to someone in my family. And how he had treated someone in my family. You know, I always said, you can step all over my blue suede shoes, but stay away from my family. Don't hurt my family. The same thing happened years ago when my my wife, someone, someone aimed their anger at my wife. It was aimed at me, but it was aimed at her first. And I became so angry and unforgiving. And this this man that was my friend had done something and and so I went to the word because I knew in my head, like all of you, you know in your head you're supposed to forgive. Yeah, right here it says we're supposed to forgive. Jesus said we're supposed to forgive. Yeah, but you don't know. So, you know, you got to do it. So you, what do you do? You go to the word to find out, well, how do I forgive them? But you see, I went to the word of God and I began to find ways that I could forgive him and get that done and take care of that. So I'd be free and clear. But I began to put all the parameters on him. And really what it was, was when he comes, this was the biggest one. When he comes and asks for forgiveness, I've already got forgiveness. It's already done. I've already forgiven him. I'll say, well, it's already done. You're already forgiven. I was just waiting for you to come and ask. Some of you are chuckling because you think it's funny, and some of you are chuckling because you know it's true. You've done the same thing. You're waiting for that person to come back. What if they never do? What if they never never do? You know, for 38 years, and pretty quick into those 38 years, I had to start doing funerals. And over the years, I've seen so many people who their biggest heartache about someone dying was that they left things undone. There was no forgiveness. No forgiveness given, no forgiveness returned, no forgiveness asked. During this whole struggle, my wife and I had several conversations about forgiveness. And she says, when are you going to go? And and I told her my reasons. I've already forgiven. She looked at me. She says, what happens... If something happened to him and he was in the hospital to the, tomorrow, would you go see him? I said, well, yes, of course. She says, how can you? You've got this big wall. There's unforgiveness between the two of you. I brought all this stuff Pastor's wife, what do they know? Everything. Oh, yeah, she knows everything about me. If you want to know, you really want to know the truth about me. And so she encouraged me, and she encouraged me, and guess what happened? I was the one who ended up in the hospital. I was the one who ended up in ICU. And my friend sat in the parking lot. Because how could he come up? And he was close enough that in his mind, he said, I should be up there. I should be there praying for Pastor Chuck, I should be there comforting Linda. I should be there, but I can't. He couldn't because there was unforgiveness. When I was when I came home, he got in touch with Linda, wanted to meet with Linda. So I want to come and see Chuck. And so she sat down and she talked, and she said, "Okay, but I've got to talk to him. I got to. It's got to be on his terms because he was." He was pretty well hurt, had a traumatic brain injury, rattled my cookies pretty good. But she came in and she said to me, this friend of mine had gotten cut touch and he wants to come and see you. And you know, it took me a half a day to finally say okay, because I struggled with it because unforgiveness has taken such root in my heart. And, you know, I, I, I also took that time to really examine all the unforgiveness in my heart because, you see, the unforgiveness had not just been him, but his wife. And when they got there and I, I, I wanted to ask her forgiveness and, and they said, well, we're not really here to discuss, you know, what happened. We just, we just want to say we're sorry, and we, we just want to, we just want to things to be right, right between us. And I said, okay. You see, sometimes we have, no, it's got to be settled. We got to talk about it. we have the right and the wrong of it. Sometimes it really doesn't matter. And so we ended up praying together in the front room, and it was like old times, and and they laughed we're going to get together, we're going to get together, and you know, we never did. We still haven't. But my friend and I are friends. Not like we were, but we've started a new friendship, and it's built on, on the grace of God. You see, the, the reason I share that story is not for a pat on the back. My, I, I want you to know that the, the things that are, seem to be the hardest... God can overcome. He's the God of impossibilities. You have to surrender though. You have to you have to let go of the revenge if you've already planned it. Don't plan it if you if you haven't yet, don't. But if you've already got the revenge, you know this. I've planned revenge. I told you the, the Linda was hurt by somebody, and I, there was revenge in my heart for this guy. I just wanted to scare him. My plan was just to scare him, just to make him un, to hurt because I had been hurt, because she had been hurt. You have to let go of revenge. You can't hold hard feelings for that person. Okay, I forgive you, But I never want to see you again. I don't want anything to do with you again. That's fine. I forgive you. We're done. Good. You're good. You're free. I'm free. Everybody's free. I don't ever want to see you again. That's not forgiveness. You still have a debt, the debt is still there. That's part of the debt. It's letting go of the feelings. Okay, I love you, because the Bible says I have to, but I don't have to like you. Stop and think, how would you like to hear that from Jesus? Okay, I got to love you, because my father said I have to, but I don't have to like you. You know what? Jesus doesn't have to like our sin, he doesn't have to like the things that he wants to change in our hearts and our, our lives. But he, he still loves us. Here's the thing. I love you, but I don't ever want you in my sight again. You know, there's sometimes that that just happens. And, and, you know, forgiveness doesn't mean that that person has to, you have to be friends with that person. But you have to let go of the unforgiveness. You have to let go of the feelings. Here's one that's really hard. Don't talk about it. If you've, get it, get it forgiven, okay? But if there's unforgiveness, it hasn't been, stop talking about it. Stop telling anybody who will listen about it, what they did, and why you, you just can't believe it. I can't believe that they did this. You know, two months ago I was fine, but now they did this and I'm just a mess. And you go on and you go on and you go on. And what you're doing is you're making yourself look like the victim to get the sympathy, to get everybody. And it's all about you. And you talk and you talk and you talk. And you're destroying them and the rumors and all the different. Here's one of my favorite you're setting the story straight. Here's what really happened. And what you're doing is, is just fortifying the unforgiveness in our hearts. So where do I get all this stuff? Would you turn to your Bibles? Stay there in, in Matthew. We're going to be going back. Not, not exactly, but we're going to be going back. But I want to read you that because my wife came home the first time. She comes skipping in from a women's conference. You know how they do? Guess what happened? Oh, I got to tell you all about it. And she was excited. And I'm saying, not really, but it's my, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bugged about this whole thing. And it's been weeks. And finally, she looks at me, she says, what's wrong? I'm still bugged about that situation. She says, they didn't do it against you. Why don't you let it go? No, I can't let it go. And she turned me to this passage. And this is what she gave me as counsel. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. And it's the very last part. You read the whole thing which is a good thing, but I'm going to start at the, at the very nut of the problem of, about, um, about unforgiveness. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by which you are sealed to the day of redemption. Right there is the most important reason that you need to forgive. Is because if you don't, the Bible says, Paul is telling the, the Ephesians, you'll grieve the Holy Spirit, you'll squelch the Holy Spirit. It causes the Holy Spirit, in a sense, to, to dry up inside of us, and we don't sense the Holy Spirit is not speaking to us in the Word, and there's there's this unsettledness, and the Holy Spirit is not working and moving in our hearts and in our lives And sometimes what we have to look is and say, is there unforgiveness in my heart? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by which you are sealed to the day of redemption. And do not let the next part is the hard part, folks. We'll get to it. Let all bitterness, that's where I got the bitterness anger, wrath. Anger is when you're. Wrath is a word. Yeah, If I could explain to you the word wrath, you know that in the cartoon, The Tasmanian Devil? Oh, he comes spinning up, and that's wrath. That's wrath. He goes from anger to your breathing hard. Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, evil speaking with all malice. You know what malice is? The desire to hurt for the hurt you have received. It's just a desire. It's not even the, the execution of it. Just the desire. Let, let it all. Here's the hard part. Let it be put away from you. Okay? Let it be put away from you. Oh, oh, oh. Charlie, I'm sorry. I don't know whose those were, but I had to get them away from me. Bitterness, anger, wrath. Evo speaking, let them be put away from you. But I can't. I know you can't. Or or you can maybe do some of them. I still got a couple here. Uh, I'm not going to let go of all of them. No, I have to put them away from me. That's the idea of it. Put it away from you. It's making a decision to put it away from you. If you can't, then, then surrender your heart because I know what you want from me, God. You want me to forgive these per- people. You want me to put away these things, and I can't let go of them, but I want to. So, God, you've got to help me. Put it away from you. Oh, we're not finished. Be kind. To one another. Oh, we need to be kind to each other. Sometimes we're so unkind. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. You see how important forgiveness is. And so Paul has got it. He's he's got this place. You go up, and there's a whole lot of other things that that Paul is talking about. There's other things. It's not just the unforgiveness and the bitterness. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. We're not supposed to be lying to each other and all the different things that it says up above that. But most of all, let all bitterness, anger, wrath, and evil speaking be kind to each other, tenderhearted with each other. Would you turn back to Matthew chapter 18, please? starting with verse 21. Peter, don't you love Peter? Isn't he one of your favorite apostles? He's always getting himself into trouble. Now he, he's so, he can be so right on one minute and get in trouble the next. And this is kind of one of those situations where he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I would forgive him? Up to seven times? Don't you just wonder what might have just happened? Peter, being who he was, was having a problem with Thomas or one of the other disciples. And well, they'd come up, they'd done something, you know, they had stumbled or fallen or fell or whatever. And he was, oh, I forgive you, brother. And then he goes over to Jesus and, and he says in a stage whisper, Jesus... If a brother causes me to die, how do I try, do? I forgive him seven times. Is that good? And he says to himself, because if it is, you've only got six left, then I don't have to forgive anymore. And sometimes we think that. And Jesus says to Peter, not seven times, but seventy times seven times. And Peter's thinking in his mind, 490? But Jesus wasn't really talking about 490, was he? Because he was doing what rabbis do, giving this impossible number anyway. But if you really stop and think about it, if you're counting, if you're saying to somebody who constantly rubs you raw and you forgive him and you forgive him and you forgive him, him, how long are you going to forgive him? You've only got 27 left, pal, because you've been counting. You've been counting. So if you've been counting, you haven't been forgiving. That's really the whole point. And then Jesus goes on to talk about forgiveness. He talks, and he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants and when he had begun to settle the accounts one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents but as one he was not a, but he was not able to pay his master commanded that he should be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and the payment be made the servant therefore fell down before him saying master Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. And he released him, and he forgave him the debt. See why I asked his circle of debt? But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay you what me, pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and bade him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servant saw that what had been done... They were very grieved, and they came, and they told their master all that had been done. And then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. You should not have, should you have not had compassion on the fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And the master was angry and delivered him to the torturers, so he should pay all that was done to him. Excuse me, all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you, if each of you, or due to each of you, if from his heart. Oh, there's another one you need to circle. From the heart. Not from the surface, but from the heart. From the heart. Does not forgive his brother. His trespasses. He uses a different word again, the trespasses, the stumble, the falling, the the slips, the I'm I'm sorry, you know, gee, I shouldn't have done that. I know, but you did. The key aspects of love. Or the key aspect is love, forgiving for the hurt. That we've been hurt. It's an operation of love. It's a choice of love. God chose to forgive us. You know, some of us were doing our best to be good, and we couldn't. We tried to change. We couldn't. It wasn't until we begged. We we really did. We begged. My, my prayer was simple, God, come into my life or I'm going to die. And he came into my life. So amazing. Because what I was asking, if you don't come into my life, I'm going to die. I begged Jesus for forgiveness, even though I didn't understand it yet. You can't actively operate in love. Not really. Anywhere. If you have unforgiveness, if you have anger, bitterness, resentment, revenge in your heart, you can't forgive, not from the heart. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like. So who is the king? God. He calls for account. You and I, our debt has been paid. Amen? If you're sitting here and you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, your debt's been cleared. It's been forgiven. That debt you owe, the wages of sin, the debt is is death. But the gift of life through Jesus Christ is free. If you're sitting there and you don't know Jesus Christ, your debt's still on the boards. And you have to ask God to forgive your sins. You have to ask God. You have to admit that you're a sinner, that you need forgiveness. And because you begged, or you asked, or however you do it, He does, because He loves. And He sent His Son just for that purpose. But God calls for the accounts, and when they had come to give account, it says that one was brought. I noticed that. He didn't come. Hi, king. I owe you 10,000 talents. No, it's like some of us who were wondering how we would ever account. We, We owed too much. I said last night somewhere in a sermon or a a book or a devotional, someone said that uh, 10,000 talents was like three lifetimes of salary in those days. And I had someone walk out last night and he told me about the talent and he told me what it was. And he said it was more like $3 billion or some some crazy thing. I can't remember. (laughs) So three lifetimes will have to do. Three lifetimes. So you can see he wasn't in a big rush, but they, he was brought. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us. He's the one who convicts us of our sin, brings us to the place where our sin is there. And we have to answer for it. We can't. It's the debt. And we can't pay it. So we brought, we're brought. And when he could not pay, the king commanded that he, his wife, his children, all that he had be thrown in. And he fell at his feet. And the idea is there is is worship, but the word actually means to crouch, to fawn, to to lick the hand. It comes from the idea of a, a dog licking the hand. And so the begging really comes into play here. So he's on his knees. He's crying, crying, sniveling, and he says, give me time and I will pay you all. How many of you were saying that to Jesus before you finally realized you couldn't? Give me time and I'll pay it all. How how many of you could have paid it all? You can't. Because one sin, one small, tiny sin is an offense to God and is worthy of death. Oh, we need, to, we need to know and understand that, which is important. That's why it's important to really see what, what unforgiveness is. We cannot pay for sin. The servant was to be sold, disposed of as merchandise, but there's nothing that we have, nothing that we are. No one else can make payment. The compassion of God. And the king had compassion. And he, he, he brings it up later on. He said, I, I had compassion on you. You see, sometimes forgiveness just means that we have to have compassion on that person. We have to look at, and maybe it is looking at what we're, what we're forgiving and why we're forgiving. And, and even the hurt and the pain and all the rest of it is, they were mean, nasty, and ugly. And have compassion on them because they're mean, nasty, and ugly. But they're a Christian. How much more to have compassion? Having compassion. Well, you see, having compassion is also a choice. It's an operation of love. The servant fell down in humility. He worshiped him. He prayed. He asked for something that impossible. He gave an impossible promise that he couldn't keep, And the king was standing there listening, and the king knew he could never pay. And so what does he say? Stand up, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You know, I noticed that Jesus gave no way for payment to be made. There's no way to be paid for your sins. You can only have them forgiven. So if there's no way for you to, f- to pay for your sins, you have to be forgiven. Then what, who are we to require some payment in order for us to forgive others? The king had compassion. He felt sympathy. He knows the servant can't pay. He released him. He gave him, he forgave him all. He didn't reduce it. He didn't set up payments. The servant came in with a bad track record. 10,000 talents. How's he ever going to pay any of it? If he has ten, he owes the king 10,000 talents. He's a crook to start with. Oh, so was I. I came in with a bad track record. <laughs> you did too. Uh, you know how every one of you came in with a bad track record? Because you all had sin. and it, was all, it all needed to be paid, and the only way you could get it taken care of was to f- have it forgiven. And so the servant goes out, and he's no more outside the, the gates of the palace, and he sees someone that he knows. A fellow servant, which is what we are—fellow servants—who we're su- supposed to be. And this fellow servant owed him a hundred denarii. It's like, well, let's take the this uh, gentleman last night—three billion dollars—and this guy owes him a hundred bucks. Pay me all. Pay me right now what you owe me. He was forgiven, but maybe he was let go from his job. Who knows? Whatever the reason. But right now he walks out, he sees someone that owes him a hundred bucks, and he wants it, and he wants it right now. And I I noticed something about the the servant. I, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but it says that he grabbed him, he laid hands on him, and he took him by the throat. How was he treated? How are you treated? How did God take you? Did he grab you by the throat? Some of you, he might grab by the collar as you were going down the chute, but that saved your life. But God take, took hold of you and he took you up in his arms and he forgave you the debt. And how do we forgive others? Do we grab them by the throat? Do we shake them and then when they fall and they say, give me time and I will pay you all? Do we decide, no, you're not forgiven. There's no way I'm going to forgive you. You owe me. And so you throw them into the prison. A couple of scriptures that came to mind, I didn't mention it last night. I mentioned it, but I didn't mention it. But the Bible t- tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about the temple being that place where the Holy Spirit is. And, and we go to pray and, and our heart, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. But the heart is also the place where we throw people that we put them into dungeon until they pay. What do we do when we find others? Do we demand payment? Do we go out and find others to, uh, to or, or do we go out and find others to forgive? Hey, you know that 100 bucks, you forget, forget about it. You know that 10 bucks, you don't worry about it, okay? Uh, 200 bucks, but... Hey, what's two hundred bucks a month, friends? You go out and say, you know what? I realize that God forgave me. He set me free, and I want you to know I've had a problem with you. You hurt me. They mean didn't even know I hurt you. How did I hurt you? Well, remember that time when you did that to me? You know, you didn't you didn't smile when I was talking to you. That hurt. Come on, smile. Please. You're still not smiling. Uh, There you go. See, it took a while, but, but now I'm going to have to hold that. It took a while for you to, I I hurt my heart. You see that we do, we laugh, but sometimes our unforgiveness can be that laughable. It can be that simple. You come walking through the church and Pastor Charlie or Sessie didn't say hi to me this morning. I started looking for another church now. They didn't say hi. You don't know what went on. You don't know why. It could be that simple. You know, they don't know what to say except, oh, I'm so sorry. I, had, I must have had something else on my mind. I know you do, Pastor. And I'm sorry. It was stupid of me to think that. And you let it. I, so please, I'm sorry for even saying anything, but I want you to know, I want it clear. Do we go out and do that? No. No. We hold on to it. We talk a little bit. We make sure people know somehow. Do we treat others with harshness that we've got a problem with? I already asked, is it a petty debt? Do we demand payment? We have to hurt them for the hurt that they gave us. Do we show mercy or show no mercy? Some debts can never be repaid. Some debts end up going to the grave. And some debts end up with a lifetime of regret for us. Cast into prison. But you're the prisoner. You're the prisoner. You're unable to love when you start with unforgiveness for lack of a smile, unforgiveness because I don't know what your smile meant, unforgiveness for this, all of a sudden I'm looking around and I'm going, why are they smiling? Or why are they not smiling? All of a sudden I become suspicious of everybody. Someone comes up and says something about my hair. Well, did they like it or did they not like it? I walked in, when my, I got my hair cut, I walked in, my wife goes, I like your hair, it's really short. I didn't know what she was saying, because I did think it was really short, it hasn't been this short since I was eight years old. And all of a sudden, everybody at church is going, I like your hair, Pastor, has Linda been talking to you? You become suspicious of everybody, and you become, become weird. And you become unloving. You know why you become unloving? Because you start shutting everybody off. You see, for me to continue to love you, and I do love you, and I will continue to love you, even though I'm not sure about that smile, because it's a choice, because I want to love you. And I risk being hurt by you, because that's the only way I can love you. Our Heavenly Father. Risks, loving and he risks us our failures our next failures every time he forgives us because he he loves us so I noticed that he threw him into prison and I want to tell you I it, get just a little bit graphic here, you have that person in the dungeon of your heart. And every time you open your mouth in a prayer, every time you open your mouth in a praise, your mouth opens and what comes out is the rotting, the stench of rotting flesh of that person that you have in your heart that you won't let go. And quite frankly, you're down there with them. And so your heart is to worship God, your heart is to pray, your heart is even to be spiritual, but it's marred because of unforgiveness. I did notice that the king called him the wicked servant, not when he owed him 10,000 talents, but when he had mistreated a servant for the very same thing he had just been forgiven. You were forgiven all shouldn't you have forgiven all The last thing I want to say is that the king then delivered him to the tormentors And I thought about that what what does that mean to me what does that mean to us Are we then, if we hold on to unforgiveness, are we then delivered to the tormentors? What are the tormentors? The tormentors are the very things we can't let go of. The bitterness. Bitterness is a tormenting thing. Anger. Bitterness and anger, it destroys us physically as well. Loneliness. We're tormented by loneliness because the next thing you know, we've pushed everybody away. Or if we haven't pushed them away, they don't want to be around us because we're so bitter. And we're always yakking about how we've been hurt. We don't seem to listen to any counsel about forgiveness and mistrust. We don't trust anybody anymore. Let me finish with this last scripture. You don't have to turn there. Let me read it to you. It's in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. Listen to what Paul tells the church. And listen to the words that he uses. They're descriptive. Therefore, as the elect of God, that's who we are. Isn't that good? We're the elect of God. I am the elect of God. So are you, and that's cool. Holy and beloved. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. I like long-suffering so much better than patience because Long-suffering is what patience is. Suffering long with others. Put, put on long-sufferings. And if you really stop and think about it, we really need long-suffering when it comes to forgiveness. Bearing with one another. Sometimes we just have to realize that that's who that person is. That's the way they are, and forget about it. Quit being hurt, stop making it about you. And maybe just loving that person will make a difference in who they are. I say that from recent experience where I was mad and I was struggling with forgiveness or I should say unforgiveness and was waiting for the hand to be reaching out to me, and instead I reached back out. And I reached to it, and that person responded, well, because I had chosen to love them in spite of the hurt. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against each other, even as Christ has forgiven you there it is again so must you also do so it isn't a matter this is not a suggestion folks it's something that we have to do forgiveness is not a suggestion it's a command we're called to it you know I I don't know some of you might have a little bit of unforgiveness that you got to deal with some of you are sitting there going oy vey You've already gone through with all the reasons and everything else, and how can we get out of here? It's not optional. It really isn't, because I want to be forgiven, so I want to live in forgiveness, and I want to start forgiving quickly. And sometimes forgiveness doesn't mean I have to walk back up, you know what you just said to me, that hurt my feelings. Yeah, we don't have to do that. Just forgive them. Begin to understand who they are. I'll give you a better thing to do when things are cool. No reason for anything. Bring it up. You know, sometimes when you when you talk, with you get kind of sarcastic, and that really hurts my feelings. Could you not be that way? Well, gee, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I didn't know I was being sarcastic. Well, Well, you are. You're kind of sarcastic. See, that's one of my pet peeves is sarcasm. And the reason it's my pet peeve is because because sarcasm can be the most detrimental thing in friendships and relationships and marriages that there can be. Because what we're doing is really what we're saying one thing and we're hiding it by a joke. And our sarcasm the truth of our sarcasm is, is not given. Oh, folks, forgive. Some cases you don't have to go back. In some cases you do. Don't hash it out. Just give forgiveness. What if they don't receive it? Not your problem. Not your problem. Your problem is you've got Unforgiveness that you've got to give to the Lord. So I encourage you, do that.